How many have enjoyed your quiet time this week, if you had any? No one had any quiet time. What do you mean by quiet time? Well, I mean by a little bit of time alone with, with just you and the Lord. How many know what I'm talking about? Yes, I know you do. I have a... I guess I was built with a need to have solitude. I think there's a healthiness, and we've been kind of on the subject of health. We're going to switch gears a little bit to the book of John. We're going to start the book of John today, and it's, um, I was excited to hear some of you have been reading the book of John. And John is, is one of the disciples that uh, became known as the beloved, the one who was loved by Jesus. I don't know if I would say that Jesus necessarily loved any one of the disciples any more or less. I just think that John and Jesus didn't really click together. Sometimes you'll find friends that you really click with, you, you, you connect with, you, you kind of have a kindred spirit. There's a there's a likeness. There's, there's, you can have fun. You, you enjoy. You, you, you just are a brother, uh, brothers and sisters in, in the Lord. How many have friends like that or wish you had friends like that? Um, yeah, yeah, we had this say, saying when Philip was working for me back in the day. I don't remember Philip. But he, he, he would say to come, well, don't worry about me or something like that. Don't worry about he He has no friends or he has no feelings. We were just joking. Remember that, Philip? Yeah, we would laugh about it. But really, seriously, everyone needs a friend. And I, when I say I need my solitude, it doesn't mean that I don't need friends. But I know that for me, if I don't have my solitude, my time with Jesus, everything else gets to be overrun and murky and unclear, and I'm, un, I'm not in balance. You can only go so far that you feel like you're just empty. And even in Bible college, we would have chapel. Emily just came out of Bible college for this semester, and I'm sure she remembers all the stuff that people, 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 everywhere you go, there's people. You go to your, you go to your classroom, there's people. You go to chapel every day, there's people. You, Every every your dorm, your your room, you're living with your room, rooming with some people, people, people. And I found here I am, right out of the North Woods, Aiken County. I'm in culture shock. My first semester, I was die, I, I was dying. No, <laughs> I was, um, I was. We were walking somewhere, and we said, "Let's check our blood pressures." Remember that, Carrie? Do you remember the number? It was off the chart. It was, and she looked at me. You are a candidate for a heart attack. <laughs> really? What is going on? I'm only twenty, whatever one, twenty-two. I think I figured out what it was. Pr my problem was I wasn't getting my sleep. And your body was exhausted and you know run down and. How many know you get stressed? You real stress brings on a lot of stuff. Can bring on you become subject. It's much easier to 
Anyway, I got on that subject. I don't know why. But to say this, that there was, there was a balance in Jesus. Jesus would minister, teach, and preach, and go around healing. He would be with the crowds. But then it says he slipped away. He slipped away from the crowds. What, what do you mean? He got away alone with his father. Or he would just take some of his disciples and sit and teach them one-on-one. -on -one. How many know we can have the super crowd, but you can feel lonely, unconnected, and unless you have someone there that you can see eyeball to eyeball and you know that they know you and you know them and there's a camaraderie, there's this sense that we belong. And so John became, I think, an encouragement to Jesus. You know, when Jesus was at the Lord's Supper, as we know of it, and one, it says the one whom Jesus loved leaned over as Jesus had said, someone's going to betray me. And I think John was thinking, oh, I would absolutely never, never. And he wanted to know who it was. And I think he was probably thinking, not me, Lord. And so John has a beautiful book that we believe he's the author of John's gospel. It's the same John that in the book of Revelation, as he was on the island left there to die. And there's where he penned the words of Revelation. And he saw the Lord. And he wrote down the visions. And so we are blessed. But John's one, one is so powerful. It almost very similar, a very similar ring to Genesis one, one. Have you ever noticed that? John 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. The Word was God. Genesis 1, 1 says, in the beginning, God created. So beginning in our thinking is when God created the world as we know it. But here's, a, here's one you can't wrap your mind around. God has always been. And always will be. Impossible for me to understand that. What do you mean? God has always been. The, the Bible says there's no beginning and no end. And so when you say in the beginning, we're referring to a time as we know it. He said he was in the beginning with God. Who was, who was with? He, Jesus. He was. It, the, here's, the, here's the deal. Jesus is the word. Jesus is the word. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being by him and apart from him. Nothing came into being that he has. He had come into, into being. So you read Genesis 1 and you, you read there how God created and he had each day he did something different and we go through all, the, all that set and we have, they said the spirit hovered over the waters. 
And we, so we have God the Father and we have Jesus and the Holy Spirit involved in the very beginning. That's a foundational truth. And so we are blessed to understand that our foundation for our, our life here, walking with Jesus, is based upon the foundation that is the Word. The rock that will never move or change. And so the Word that was in the beginning is still working today. In fact, the Bible says in Isaiah that his word shall not return void or go back empty. Isaiah says that as the rain and the snow, we had some of that rain and snow stuff back here a couple of weeks, three weeks ago, whatever, but you get reminded that as the word comes down, how does the word come down? It comes down through those who you would, uh, it comes through us by the Holy Spirit. And in fact, John says that the word became flesh. Jesus became flesh. Jesus was God taking on flesh, bone, and weakness. And being tempted in all things as we are yet without sin. And so Jesus is alive and well today. In him was life, and the life was the light. I mean, you know, interesting, isn't it interesting how you can see things better in the light? Have you ever dusted something in your house, and then the light came in, and you said, whoa, whoa, I thought I dusted that. I thought I mopped. I thought I cleaned every little bit. It looked clean, but when the light hit it, you're smiling because it's happened to you, right? Have you ever had a different, you know, a different day where everything just looked terrible, but another day was looked fine. The difference of the light. Now Jesus said something about men. And he was referring to those who were away from God. Men love darkness. Man loves darkness. What what does that mean? Where we're not in right relationship with God. We are ashamed. Man likes darkness. So in the beginning, the word was with God. The word was God. And the word was performing. All things came into being by him. Apart from him, we, nothing came into being that has come into being. Nothing can happen. Nothing can happen to significantly significantly in the church nothing can really happen in the kingdom of God except the word of God by the Holy Spirit begins to bring a connection into a person's heart and thus we have this idea that we need to be born again which John will refer to further into his book what are you talking about uh, Nicodemus said what are you talking about how can I go back into my mother's womb he was thinking natural and so often God is speaking to us supernatural, eternal. So may we have a fresh vision. Oh, I'm just praying. You know what? Revival happens when people get on fire with God's word. What is revival? A returning to life. 
right? Revival is a returning to life. To be revived. To come alive again. To be what we ought to be. And when cultures, when churches get on fire for God and, and they proclaim the word and they, they live out the word, we can expect results. As he says, his word shall not return void. So are you planting, when you're planting your garden this spring, if you plant a garden, expect results. You plant with an expectation. How many of your gardeners a little bit? Maybe it's just your flowers, but it's something. Carrie has been a planter for as long as I've known her, my wife. Planted seeds across this community over and over again. And she had a, uh, a moment, you want to share um, what happened this week in a way of testimony that uh, was encouraging to me. And uh, I'll, let I'll let her just explain what happened. Um, so we had the day of hearing this week where we had um, kids come and help with cleaning. And I was thinking about different kids I'd like to come. I was thinking, oh, these I wish these guys would come. And it ended up having um, eight ninth grade girls come and two more came later. So um, I was actually this not that excited about the day of hearing this time because it's like, you know, it's a lot of work. And um, But I thought, well, you know, We'll just go for it. So I'm here, and uh, a couple of the girls are going in the closet with me, and we're grabbing some supplies. And one says, oh, I've been here before. I came to the girls' night out, which is an elementary thing that we had for um, Emily and Anna. Do you guys remember that, the girls' night out that we used to have? There would be like 75 elementary kids that would come. And um, it was really a great time with doing nails, having a missionary speaker, and stuff like that. And the other girl goes, oh, I remember that too. And then the one says, oh, we made those pillowcases. And I just happened to be subbing in art. So in art class, we decorated uh, on rainbows like 100 pillowcases with the art students. Like, I could get away with that. You know? <laughs> but anyway, and then um, the girl goes, I sleep on that every night. It was just so awesome. I can't forget it. I said, well, it's kind of too bad because, you know, we don't really have that anymore. They go, oh, yeah, you guys should still have it. I said, but you know what we really should have? We should have one for, like, your age, like, you know, the ninth grade. And, uh, and sh they go, yeah, yeah. I said, but we need a team. I'll be on the team. I'll be on the team. They're really a great girl. And um, so it ended up being that... Um, Later on, she's asking me for my phone number so that she can get a hold of me to work on that. So it was really fun because something, just like Phoebe was sharing early, something you don't really, you do for one reason, but God turns it around and does another whole reason. So that was kind of exciting. So uh, we can pray, be praying about how we could reach out to, reach out to these girls and guys. Thank you. A seed planted. We, may, we sometimes may never know till kingdom, the kingdom is being advanced. I had a young man, I was uh, officiating a funeral several years ago, and I, re I, I recognized him, but he, was, he had grown up. 
he, he was of the Palisade Church that we were pastoring at years in earlier in our ministry. He was just a little boy amongst his brothers and sisters. There was a lot of them. There was a string. I always loved when they came to church because they helped fill up the place and, uh, <laughs> and so forth. But um, he came to me. He recognized, you know, he obviously remembered me. He said, thank you. He said, thank you for sending me to camp when he was just a little guy. And uh, he said it was there where I really had uh, was able to get a foundation. And I said, wow, tell me about it. What, what happened? Well, he said, today I'm married and we're going to church together. And um, in a different state. But I was just like, I was just like on cloud nine hearing his testimony. Little did I realize what happened to him. So your investment in scholarships and camps, and it's all about getting the word into people's lives, and especially if it's a young person who doesn't have a church or doesn't have a, a family or parents that are, are, are going in or, or, or even uh, demonstrating any kind of faith, the church has an opportunity. And so we, we can make a difference, and you are making a difference when you're praying and when you're giving or when you're, when you're, when you're helping support someone else to go to a camp especially. So the word of God is quick and powerful sharper than any double-edged sword. Romans says that we receive our faith from it. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So number one, the word of God today, we talk about John. He starts right off. The word is Jesus. The word came in the flesh. And it says later in the verse 14. The word became flesh, verse 14, and dwelt among us. In other words, God is saying they, they don't understand they need someone to go down and walk the walk, talk the talk, demonstrate who God is. He became flesh. He humbled himself for us. And all that believe, as many as received him, verse 12, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. We have, the, we have the benefits. Remember, we talked about we have benefits as a child of God. Psalm 103. We are so blessed. And he says, bless the Lord, O my soul, who heals me from all my diseases. That's, that's just one of the benefits. Who redeems my life from the pit. I'm glad he's redeemed my life from the pit. And so... First is the word. Secondly, I see in this chapter the witness. Who's the witness? John the Baptist. How many heard about this guy? They were confused during the Bible times with John the Baptist. Was he, is he the Christ? What, what, what was going on in the history of Israel? They were looking and they're still looking for, for the one who's coming. And John the Baptist was mistaken by a few. But John the Baptist clarified, I'm not the one. I'm a forerunner. I'm pointing to the one. And so all of us, as we become believers and uh, as we walk by faith, we're, we're representing our God. We're a witness. Well, what does that mean? I can give testimony. John is 
relaying what he learned. John the Baptist is declaring the things of God. He's speaking of the one who's coming after me. I'm not worthy to even untie his sandal. He said, I'm a voice crying in the wilderness. The church needs to have a voice. The believers, you and I have a voice. Well, you might say, well, I don't like to talk. I don't like crowds. Don't worry too much about your probably maybe never speak in front of a crowd, so to speak. That's okay. I never liked speaking either. But I get inspiration. If I get something from the Lord, my dad would do the same thing. He'd start to talk, and the more he talked, he would get, he would say, I think I could preach. What he was saying, he got blessed, inspired. And you, it'll happen to you when you're reading God's word and speaking to you, and you, something is igniting within, something is clicking within. All of a sudden, you have this opportunity. You're talking with a friend or a neighbor or family, and say, you know what, I just think, I, I read something somewhere and said this and paraphrased it. You don't have to always quote the Bible. Paraphrase it in your own word. Make it, make it understandable. A principle. God's word is living and active. And so to be a witness in the early church, we're commanded to tarry until they receive the Holy Spirit, right? Don't just go out and do it in your own strength. Pray about it. Be filled up. Worship the Lord for a while. Get your mind on God. And then, you know, before your work, take a moment to you know what? Lord, I need you today. I can't go to my workplace and be what I ought to be. Or, Lord, I know I'm weak, but you are strong. And the fact of the matter is when we feel weak, we, we are in probably in a better place for God to use us than when we just, you know, we can just do this on our own strength. And I'm learning the older I get, I can't do stuff on my own strength. Right? How many know? You can't do the things that you maybe used to do. So you, so you, you're, you're depending more on the Lord ever, more than ever, right? So it's a good thing. God says in His Word, even when you're old and gray, the psalmist said, He will not forsake me. That's an awesome verse. That's an awesome passage. Recognizing we have a voice. We have the word. We have the truth. We have a light. I remember the time we were in a motel. Cody and Levi, I think, were really little guys. And we were in Missouri, Springfield, that area at least. All of a sudden, the, the sirens went off. On, I mean, the, we heard siren trucks coming and lights. Fire trucks showed up at our motel in the middle of the night. And so we're looking out. Well, I don't see any smoke. I don't smell anything. Well, it's just like, well, I'll just go back to bed, you know. No, no, no. It was the people were stirring and the lights went out. So we knew something was up. And so we said, 
we started sh shuffling out the hall and black and we just kind of trying to find the stairways. I think we were able to see lights, ex exit signs. And here come a guy with one of them cell phones. He probably had a flip phone like I do. Then, <laughs> and he shined the light for us. And we could see the stairway. How nice, right? You ever been stumbling in the closet looking for something? I wish you had a light. You ever been lost driving on a wrong road in a dark place? It kind of maybe it was the weather was bad and you felt a little bit, ooh, am I going to make it? Lost feeling. There's no better thing when you can have a light. Light your path, a lamp unto your feet. The witness is to sh be the one who points the way. We mentioned the word encourage in Sunday school. To be a witness in such a way that will not discourage people. What do I mean by that? To be a witness in such a way, someone said, People don't really care what you have to say until they know how much you care about them. What a, that's a truth. That, this is, that's not in the Bible necessarily, but it is. It's in the principle. That people sense, are you just trying to get them to change because you know they need to change, or do you truly love them for their soul and you're interested in Working with God and loving on him, loving on him. Yet stay strong in your faith and be what you ought to be. And influence, encourage. That's the light. That's let your light shine. Of Clarence St. John, I remember this, this story he told about um, some people... Well, we could say it a couple ways. You drive the nail clear through the board. You know, when you're hammering a nail and you sink it, and you hit it so hard, you know, I mean, you just really want to make sure, and you drive it clear through the board. That's, that's being too aggressive. The light that people need to see is to shine not in their face, that they, they just absolutely are overwhelmed, but to shine it in such a way that will Encourage them. Give them something to think about. Give them time for the Holy Spirit to work. Remember this. The Holy Spirit is the one who changes any heart. John says it later. John's Gospel, chapter 14. That no one can come except the Father draws him. So all we are as witnesses, we are planters. We are scattering the seeds, so to speak. And we're Someone else, as Paul said to Corinth, someone else might water. Someone else has the gift to disciple. Someone else has the, the gift to, to connect with them. But we're all, God causes the growth. And so God is the one who orchestrates all your assignments. I never liked assignments in school, did you? Maybe you did. I never liked to take homework home. Nah. Want to be outside playing, right? 
But there's an assignment God gives to us. Maybe he's assigning to you someone this week who you will encourage. Just be faithful. Recognize the opportunity. So the witness, first the word, the witness, and then lastly, the way, the way. Later in John Gospel, he says, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Did you know that the way was actually became uh, a phrase or a slogan in early church history in the book of Acts? They were recognized from being from the way. Remember the Bible that came out? I don't know if it's back in the 60s or 70s called The Way. And we all thought, what is that? Is that legit? Is that legit? real? But the way was the way of the Lord, the way of Christ, the way of Jesus. And so the way is today for us to, as the early church, be, be, they become known for the way they live. They've become known for the what they believe in. It is the truth that sets people free. God is not trying to say, well, you know, if, you know, he has his standards, he has his boundaries, you know, if you do this, you do this and do this, and then I will love you. He's saying, I love you, but there is a better way to live. You don't have to bow down to sin. You don't have to give in the temptation. You don't have to be bound by the, the, what sin does to people. We're called out of darkness. We're called out of the world. We're called out. You don't have to carry that heavy load. The people that have been beat down and held captive for so long and then being set free and forgiven is still the greatest miracle. It's still the greatest healing that when the soul is set free, when the Savior comes, when the Lord himself reveals himself by the Holy Spirit, the way becomes clear. The way is sort of like the light comes on. Oh, this is the way. Walk in it. And you have this sureness. You have this assurance that even though I don't know everything that's going to happen today or tomorrow, I know that there's one who will lead me in the righteous path. And he'll never lead me astray. And sometimes we come to a fork in the road. And we're wondering, and life has those moments where we have to make a decision. Maybe it's a move. Maybe it's a different job. Maybe it's, a, it's, it's something that affects your family. And so you take time with God and you look at his word and you see, you lay it out. You lay it out before God. This is what I'm thinking, Lord. Is this of you? Is this of you? Is this your will? Is this right? And you're not getting an answer. So you go back again. Lord, I'm not hearing you yet, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to believe you're leading me. I'm sensing more peace about this way than this way. Remember the word peace? God is a God of peace. 
if you start to sense that there's kind of this confusion, uh, take your time. Wait it out. Wait on God. Trust him. And then I, I encourage you, use Proverbs 16. Literally use that portion of word, one through several verses. I say, commit your ways to the Lord. What is he saying? Just say, God, I'm going to give this to you. You know my, and it talks about your motivation. God will weigh your heart. Do I really, sometimes I think God says, what do you want to do? Have you ever heard, you ever thought of that? What did God, he, it's your son and your, your, his daughter, what do you want to do? I've already put it in your heart. God puts things in our heart. That sometimes we, we can make this so complicated. Well, let's start out. Let's believe God. Let's commit it to him. And then it's, as we go, we'll keep committing it to him. And if God puts a roadblock or there's something, a bump in the road, then we take it back. Well, Lord, is this of you or is this of the enemy? See how we get, we get confused. Then we have to go back to the word again. You say, well, I'm checking my motives. Sometimes God closes doors. But he opens another one. The way is often will keep your relationship. Can you keep your faith? Can you keep your family together, influencing them for the best? If your decision uh, begins to become selfish and it becomes, so to speak, only centering on what you want and you begin to neglect your family, then we got to say, God's word says something about, you know, love others, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. It's about serving. The way is the best way. His way, we could say his way, his way. His way is to walk in kindness and his truth, to walk in faith, to walk believing. And you come back to him. We're going to, I want you to have an opportunity today to just maybe commit some things to God. Just like, you know, you've prayed about it maybe several times. Maybe you're, you're still, you're kind of a little bit not sure. 100%. That's okay. Because the word says we walk by faith and not by sight. We don't have, we will we'll never understand all the details. To only to a degree. And God is weaving your life. That someday he will reveal himself. And the way, the truth, and the life. This song is, here is in heaven. You know what Jesus said in the Lord's Prayer? He said something to that effect. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. As in earth as in heaven, as on earth as in heaven. The connection is God wants to influence what's on the earth, and the earth is where people are connected with God.